Hello and welcome. This is Martin Medeiros, and I'm with Negotiation Strategist Research. For our listeners, you know that persuasion, influence, and negotiation are how we communicate our needs to the world. Tricks don't win, knowledge does. This is Mark Medeiros with Negotiation Strategist Research, and in this episode, we're going to go over how to de-escalate really stressful situations. As you know, we use persuasion, influence, and negotiation to communicate our needs to the world, and I talk about this systems approach. We're going to take a little uh, side walk down really hard situations where people are emotional. I've been in a lot of negotiations where people are, their faces are turning red. I've actually been in board meetings where people throw objects, uh, board members throw objects at one another. Um, So emotions can run high in stressful situations and we really have to think about how we look at reality. Um, especially entering a negotiation. So I'm entering a negotiation and I have this euphoria about, oh, this is going to be great. I want to do the deal. I want to buy the new suit to close the deal because I'm going to be negotiating in China. So I'm going to buy an expensive suit and all these things. And I have all this this vision of all this money flowing my way. And, and then I do the deal and I find out, wow, there's a lot of money, but there's a ball and chain around my foot and I'm dragging it around and this deal is not how it turned out. And then it becomes a conflict, then it becomes a dispute, then it may end up in litigation where everyone has years of misery ahead in conflict. So the most important method to avoid this is to look at different perspectives. The mere fact of different perspectives can create conflict. And it doesn't mean that one party is wrong and the other party's right. It just means they have a totally different perspective. For example, imagine us both looking, looking at the, uh, the numeral six or nine. Well, depending on where you're standing, it can be a six or a nine, but it's the same lines. This is common in a lot of transactions where there really is common ground, but from our perspective, it just doesn't seem that way. From our constituency, it doesn't seem that way. So how does this happen? Uh, the first thing we need to do is to, to the extent we can, is to create a sense of inclusion and shared identity. Maybe not in perspective, but in the exercise. We voluntarily came here to sit around this table and negotiate, and that is a huge thing. Again, we talked about Cialdini and other things. It's going to be the first step of consistency. The fact that we're meeting in the same room is a little step towards consistency of resolution of getting an accord. And the next element is to offer empathy. Recent study was done where we found that empathy is actually down in the 21st century from the 1970s, you know, according to however the social science is was conduction was down about 40%. But it has increased for certain other groups and here are the groups and I think it's what I call a social media phenomenon. I don't know, but this is my theory. Uh, We no longer empathize with people who see things differently with us. We actually empathize less. 
we empathize a lot more irrationally so with people who agree with us. This is the echo chamber of social media. Rather than have, you know, and, and look at it, in the 1970s we had a lot of moderates, right, in, in politics. And when social media and lets us self-select what we hear, what we read, it just keeps emphasizing our position. And so we empathize much more deeply with those that we agree with and we let them get away with things that in the 70s we would call them out. We do not call out people in the 21st century who totally agree with us. But empathy is very important. Empathy is what I want us to use if we're trying to de-escalate a stressful, potentially violent situation. Try to think about the other person. Now, how do we do this? It has, again, to do with a small ask. Small asks are demonstrations of trust. If we can ask, that'll create attention for us to reciprocate and those things really de-escalate situations. Um, just a small ask. Now, so what happens? I empathize, I try to explain, I offered empathy, did the small ask, but it's still too hot. So what are your options? Uh, well, you certainly can just resist, which is resisting is basically saying no. Uh, you can beg, uh, or you can continue the drama. Uh, another thing is you can ask for an intermediary. And what does that look like? Uh, an intermediary is someone who filters the high emotions of the parties. Sometimes this is, you know, you get an advocate, attorney to attorney. Uh, sometimes you'll agree on a mediator. Uh, sometimes you'll have a private individual decide for you. It's called an arbitrator. Sometimes you'll ask the state, and that's a court. When things are too hot and you need an intermediary, first go with trying to get people who are learned in the topic. Uh, for example, if there's a conflict over valuation, you may want to have two valuation experts talk about valuation of the enterprise or the asset. Uh, and if not, we can do something else. So how do we get out of a hard or difficult situation uh, when maybe the intermediary doesn't work, maybe uh, an intermediary is not an option? Uh, first thing is keep calm. Calm is it's a reflective thing. If you're calm, others will be calm. Uh, and reflect on the situation. Just think about the situation, stop, and set limits. Well, I'm going to make this offer and if I get a very negative emotional response quickly I will terminate the discussion and maybe walk out and one thing that you can do is uh, solicit or uh, elicit questions soliciting questions is really powerful because it lets people, it almost lets you know what the core of their anger is. And listening is very powerful. And if triggered by a question, for example, I can see this is a very emotionally charged situation. What is particularly difficult about what I'm asking? And when you open that question, it's almost like a relief valve. They get to tell you what they are. It de-escalates the situation a little bit. And... Uh, you 
have to handle that question. You can't just be a good listener. That's one thing that's hugely powerful, but they will be frustrated if you, they are ignored, so you have to address it. I really understand that in your situation, it must be very difficult that you want more time with your child, say it's a divorce, family law situation, but you travel 250 days out of the year and the schedule is this way because of that. Does this make sense to you? You know, something like that. Um, at the end of the day, you've got to prevent uh, physical confrontation. And this can be done many ways. If the parties can't be in the same room, then get them in separate rooms and have a mediator do shuttle mediation where they go between each room. You want to avoid any physical confrontation to the extent you can. So, if you're in a leadership position and I submit to you, anyone negotiator who's leading a discussion, who has the floor, is in a leadership position. As a negotiator, you have to take the lead in what I call behavioral patterning. In other words, you know, be the change in the world you want. Uh, what I mean by in a tense situation, do not start yelling. For example, I was at a board meeting. I saw one individual uh, who was hairless uh, had his head turned bright red and I can see he was angering, getting really mad. And one uh, other board member who uh, saw this and was angry or felt threatened picked up a Kleenex box on the boardroom table and threw it at this other individual. Immediately, rather than say, yell or exclaim, what's going on, or this, that, I said, I think it's time for us to take a, a little break. Sir, why don't you step out, or I won't use any names, and why don't you stay here a little bit, and we just chilled out, and then what we did was people came back in, and I was, I didn't really think about what would happen, but what happened was nothing happened because they were both very emotionally charged. I was very calm. I was leading the negotiation. They felt calm too. And at the end of the day, you've got to be the calming influence at that table. Uh, I've interviewed a lot of people where they say, oh, I like to yell and storm out to get tension. I never use any of that. I think it's uh, immature and uh, very... Um, uh, unprofessional. So, what are the takeaways? The takeaways on this are uh, there are different perspectives on what creates conflict. The way to get out of conflict is to create a shared identity to the extent you can. Uh, offer empathy and make small asks. Above all, keep calm and manage your own response. Remember, you're in the leadership role. Set limits and ask questions and handle those questions. And if you're still hot and if there's no uh, likelihood of resolution, you want to get an intermediary. That's when you call the attorneys. That's when you start to mediate, arbitrate, or litigate. 
or if it's a continually emotional situation and this intermediary is not available, you may want to walk away. The walk away is generally means I'm not prepared, but in this case, if it is likely to result in a physical confrontation, it's best of parties. Just walk away, take a break, and revisit, or perhaps walk away for good. And that's it. That's lesson 14. Hope you enjoyed these uh, de-escalation techniques uh, and strategies for a hot negotiation. Thank you.